This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues that shape our lives with your guides, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and DJ Payne. And Matt, we begin this episode of of Thrive Perspectives, our 19th one, Mm. and look, we've covered race, we've covered sex, you know, and gender. We've covered immortality, death, you know, all these different topics. Eh, easy peasy. <laughs> I haven't sweated once. Now, today, I'm sweating. Okay. <laughs> today, today, I'm feeling a little bit of fear, feeling a little bit of anxiety because you have decided to throw the topic out there. And, and again, I've, it's not like you force it on me, mm. I agree. It's time for us to talk about a Christian worldview on politics. Mm. Yeah. Tell me why you want to do this, uh, as if I need to ask, as yeah, if anybody well, is, who, who, who is yeah, paying that's attention. Right. Well, it's a, it's a very uh, ever-present part of life, isn't it? Mm. And uh, one of my main concerns is the way that Christians are dividing uh, over this issue. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that is being pointed out very abundantly by social commentators on every level of the spectrum yes. is how divided society is now in a way that it really hasn't been before. Yep. Um, uh, or at least hasn't been in our, in our modern that's right, know, yeah. in our modern history. That's right. It's very, very polarised and yep. there are a number of reasons for that that we could possibly talk about. Um, and... And so society is becoming very fragmented. You know, there's a real rift and even the ability uh, of people to have civil discussions seems to have gone out the window now. And we see that uh, even at the highest political levels, even yep. uh, the inability to, ha- to for politicians to have civil discussions, let yep. alone people uh, on the ground. And so the divisions are uh, of society is, is all... Too, this is un- uncontroversial and everyone's yes. pointing this out. My concern is that... As Christians, the Christian church needs to be the one place in the world that is different to that. Yeah, amen. We need to exhibit the fact that we can maintain unity yeah. amongst a diversity of uh, of political convictions. Now, again, is that possible? Well, that's what we're going to That's what we're going to discuss. Talk about. And listen, I, I, if you're listening going, oh, no, DJ and Matt, don't go down this pathway. Don't, I don't want you to talk about politics. Well, I want to assure you mm. right from the beginning – we're not going to be coming out and saying, okay, and this is why you need to vote for person X or yep. this is the right political party or anything like that. We don't yep. want to – we respect you too much and this is not the purpose of why we, we want to talk about it. We want to go – we want to zoom really far out, if mm. you know what I mean. We want to go really wide view on politics and we don't yeah. want to get into the weeds. I understand the one thing that everybody says, and if you grew up like me and you had grandparents or uncles and aunts who said, listen, in polite society, there's two things you don't do. You don't talk about religion or politics. Well, we've already we've already crossed off religion, of course, of everything yeah. that we do. But politics is, is still a sacred cow for a lot of people that you just don't talk about it, especially especially when you've got your your Christian hat on. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think one of the points that I hope comes out of this session is that we need to be able to talk about politics in a way that is functional and relational and considerate and in a Christian way. Uh, Christians need to be able to talk about this, um, but we need to be able to do so in a way that always maintain, maintains our unity. Yeah. Now, I, you know, um, I, I think it's worth pointing out that you and I differ a lot when it comes to when it comes to politics, uh, and, yeah. and yet. 
we are able to have robust discussions because for us, politics is so minor compared to the big issues, uh, compared to yes. the, the level on w- at which we're united. Yeah. Politics is such a a small issue compared Look, to what unites us. And if that if that is something that that you and I can, uh, I don't like holding myself up to as any example. You know, sometimes you know I, I read uh, passages, I hear people, you know, you hear Paul saying, you know, follow my example or yeah. things like that. I, I often go. <laughs> Don't follow my example. I'm happy sometimes to go, oh, look at the way Matt does something, you know, as, as a teaching pastor. Hold you up as an example. But the one thing, I'm going to be really honest and say mm. I'm really proud of, mm. and I really believe that you and I really honour our, our our Father about our God, is that you and I can have a robust discussion yeah. about the things we disagree on, whether yeah. it's politically or theologically or, or anything like that. We can really have a dynamic, you know, yeah. a really dynamic yeah. argument sometimes, but because we are committed to, first and foremost, we're committed to, um, uh, you know, glorifying our God and, and working towards his kingdom. Yeah. That's our number one yeah. goal. Secondly, we love one another. We're committed mm-hmm. to loving mm-hmm. each other and we're mm-hmm. committed to this friendship. So I think once you've got that as a foundation – Hopefully, we can mirror sometimes in our disagreements yeah. that you can have a disagreement and still walk with somebody. Yeah, that's right. And that in, you know that includes when the discussion goes over the line and 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 one of us says something inconsiderate. I mean, there, there have been plenty of times where we've apologised to each other, <laughs> but we need to be able to do that as well. Exactly. That's about that's about exactly. having a functional relationship and being committed to something. I mean, if I said if I said, oh, DJ, he thinks this, and I just can't, I just can't be friends with you because no. that. That there would be something fundamentally wrong with Amen. that if as Christ, if as a, if I cannot if I can no longer relate to you as a Christian yes, brother yes. because of your political position, oh. there would be something fundamentally wrong, and that's I think what we want to get into a little bit. I think that's a great a great goal for for for, for what I'm expecting. We'll see how we go on this episode, but I really have got a feeling like this is going to be a two part. This is going to be a two-part episode, another two-part episode. Here really? You, you think we're not going to be able to well, get it? Well, <laughs> I, I, I think we're, we're recording it here, you know, today when we're recording it. I want to give people the opportunity to ask questions mm. oh, good. Yeah. on the back of this. So I think yeah. the next episode, episode 20 of Thrive Perspectives, the next one in a fortnight, if anything we say around this rises questions, write them down. And get them to us, and I'll let you know how you how you do that in the middle and the end of the end of the podcast there. But you know, write them down and get them to us because we really want to maybe on the next episode answer those questions. Yeah, with it again, you, I can see Matt already scanning his mind, going, well, "Look, within reason, <laughs> if you ask us, you know, what do I think about politician X, we might avoid the, the, those questions." There should questions. be a camera for this for this podcast on my face because you, you're good at reading <laughs> yeah. my expressions. Yeah. Look, my uh, my expression then was. Uh, just one of uh, hesitation. Well, hesitation because I just want to, and, and I think the f- the discussion that we have over the next um, forty five minutes or an hour, let's call it an hour, um, <laughs> will will give you an example of the level at which we're going to. Yeah. You know, for example, right. if you ask us, so what do you think about this policy or yeah. that? No. Yeah, we're probably not going to get into that. No. Um, but Agreed. We, we want to discuss this at, at a slightly bigger level. Now, I, I don't know if we need to do this for many people, but some people might might be coming into this with a different expectation. So, what do we mean by the fundamentals here? Let's let's get our yeah, definitions yeah. out. What do we mean by politics? Yeah. Well, um, uh, the sort of top of my head definition mm. uh, of politics is a uh, is a man made 
a way of organising society. A political system is a man-made structure for organising society. Yep. I think uh, I think that is pretty good definition. That's you, fine. Are you happy oh, the with only that? Thing, the, well, the most obvious thing to add into that, that politics, we're talking about politics, we're talking about the discussion of governments and the way yeah. that governments rule people. Yeah, that's right. You know, the way that the way that governments uh, you know rule people thinking about the principles around like very again zooming way out looking looking from a, from a very yeah. high high view uh, looking at how governments work what are the principles of of those type of things we don't want to get into the minutia. That's right. But if th- if topics come up as we're going or just definitions come up we're going to I'm going to try to you know, certain words I think we might need to define as we go. Yeah. So we both, everyone's on the same page because one word for somebody yeah. means something totally, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It can mean, mean yeah. something else. So if we're talking about governments, we're talking about the, you know, the political machinations around all of that and how it all works and how – and the other part of this is how we're presented and how we get involved in politics as Christians. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So let's let's perhaps work from really big picture out. Let's, let's yep. work from really big Christian worldview out. Uh, we'll we'll make some comments about that, and then we'll talk about Jesus' approach to to politics, Fantastic. and then we'll sort of go from there. So the the very uh, the very big picture is that uh, the world, and this is this is where um, we can we can and should all agree as Christians. Yes. This is fundamental Christian worldview stuff. Mm. Is that the world is fundamentally broken, and humanity is fundamentally spiritually corrupt. Like the whole thing is fun- fundamentally broken. Amen. Um, mankind is fallen. Yes. Um, which means that everything that mankind does and creates is is tainted with corruption. Yes. It's imperfect. Yep. Okay. So, um, and this is this is something that I think we need to actually just pause on and take really, really seriously. Mm. And, and and I know that this is actually something that. That we often come back to in our in our conversations, yeah. Isn't in, it? In, in, a, in a touch, you know, the many touchstones that we have that we agree together, which is the vast majority of yeah. everything that we view. One, this is a major cornerstone for both of yeah. us: is that the world is fundamentally broken yeah. on a level that we don't fully understand because we're fundamentally broken as well. Yeah, we're that's part right. of this broken yeah, world. Yeah, that's right. And and I think even I think for a lot of Christians, don't um, give this enough sort of gravity. Uh, I think we we get drawn too much into the sort of modern belief in progress. Yes. Now there's a kind of a postmodern uh, pessimism that's out there about uh, about progress. But yep. uh, so I'm deliberately saying this sort of modern belief in progress, mm. and, and it is it is out there. It's this uh, kind of optimism that through technology and uh, through um, you know working together and creating a certain sort of society, we can progress. Mm. Now, I would, as a Christian, I would question our ability as human beings mm-hmm. to deal with our own problems mm-hmm. just through technology, yep. through uh, politics, and all of these sorts of things. At and this is really the point uh, because it's so broken it's so fundamentally broken it's interesting to see that there are a number of um even atheistic uh, philosophers who mm. acknowledge this who will say and and, and i in a uh, past a previous episode of 
here I go again, is it yeah. perspectives or, <laughs> or thrive deeper where I've mentioned this. I've talked a little bit about, for example, the philosopher John Zerzan, uh, Zerzan Z-E-R-Z-A-N. Again, like he's an atheist. I'm not mm. advocating uh, his worldview. No. But uh, he is controversial because of the way that he critiques civilization. His civilization is sort of went downhill pretty much from the moment it started. Yeah. yeah. And actually from a biblical point of view, that's actually what the Bible kind of portrays from the fall onwards. And we see, you know, Cain and Cain building the first city and the society organized around, uh, around certain principles based on um, human inclinations that the fundamentally corrupt. Okay. Mm, So there's mm, this deep mm. level of, of corruption and, um, and, and a lot of people find that difficult, find these philosophers difficult to handle because, and, and I um, cited uh, a, an interview with Noam Chomsky where uh, he was asked about John Zazan's uh, well, view of civilization. And he said, well, look, if that's true, then we have no hope. So, so he he just felt like we we can't give that any gravitas because otherwise we are we no actually he said we are lost yeah if that's true we're lost I as jump a up as a Christian say amen <laughs> like that 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 realization is, is the beginning yes of us looking up to God and calling on the name of the Lord saying we Jesus lost. we need you because yeah. we are fundamentally lost now and 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 lost right from the beginning of civilization yeah, that's what right. we call civilization and part of politics is talking about how we flesh out this civilization how does this civilization yeah. work who's going to govern us how are we you know what yeah. laws do we, it's all this type of thing so so ha- so the the question of politics is is essentially from a christian point of view is how can we can how can we make this so that it isn't as bad as it has to be or almost and so a pol- and and here it really is my point um politics can never be the solution oh. because the problem is not a political problem. Amen. It is a deep, deep spiritual problem that the world has. You need to say that again, Matt, and we need to find different ways to say that over these episodes because I think it's something that we need to hammer in because, and let me say it first in the in the negative side, right, and this is a theme that I will bang on about over the next couple of, uh, couple of episodes most probably, I believe you know, one of the biggest problems that we have when we talk about politics is the role of media in our life, the role of the news media, the role of journalism, the role of, um, you know, what the media portrays and everything like that and and the messaging that we are getting. Mm. And because of that messaging and the world that we live in, we tend to start believing that the political opinions or a particular politician yeah. or a po- particular politi- politician's policies or the way that he yeah. he or she does something, that's going to give us the answers that we need. We're feeling disgruntled and broken in this broken world. And you know what? Maybe this politician and what they're arguing it for, whatever side they're on, is going to somehow fulfill this brokenness that I feel. Yeah completely Which is, wrong. That's right. And it's why people get so passionate about yes. this. Uh, but again, and I'll say it again, a political solution is is not a solution because it's not the main problem. Yeah. Politics is like a Band-Aid. And, and we can argue about what's the best sort of Band-Aid to hold this chaos together so it's not as bad as it, yeah. as it might be. Okay, yeah. But fundamentally, 
it's bad. Fundamentally, yeah. we live in a broken let's world. Fl- let's flesh out that uh, that that analogy a little bit better. Imagine uh, imagine you as a human being yeah. riddled with cancer or riddled with a disease yeah. that is on the deep innards of you, yeah. and you come along and polit. And then in that case, politics is a SpongeBob SquarePants Band-Aid on the outside on your big toe saying, hey, this will fix it. Yeah. And you go, no, 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 that's not the actual fundamental problem. That's right. Or or at best, a a kind of palliative care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But someone needs to come in and fix, radically fix what's happening on the inside. So basically what the the world needs is not a system but a saviour. Amen. And and we have a saviour in Jesus Christ. And, you know... And, and this, I think, let's let's talk about Jesus because uh, when Jesus came, politics was a burning issue. And oh. it's not like it's not like oh well, yeah, now it's, politics is a big thing, but not so much in Jesus' day, not so much in Paul's day. Yeah. Of course, it was yeah. a big thing back yeah. then. It, it was the big thing mm. uh, back then. So when when Jesus came, the big issue, of course, was the Roman occupation. I mean, if mm. we look. If you think that we have problems, yeah. or, or, or if you if you feel like oh, the system is all this and all yeah. that, try living under Roman occupation. I mean, yeah. these guys were, were oppressive yes. overlords. Yeah. Uh, these guys had cause for and, to be disgruntled, and, and even take it one step further, the Jewish people not only are living in a land that has been occupied by yeah. you know their oppressors, yeah. the Jewish p- religious leaders were synonymous to their political leaders. Politics and religion for yeah. the Jewish mindset yeah, was right. all in one. So it was completely a messy, passionate situation yeah. that we, you know, we sort of don't... Well, yeah, I mean, it's even it's even more complex than yes. that because even within, within the, uh, the most influential strata of Jewish society, yeah. there were quite different views yes. on the situation, exactly. you know, how to deal with the Roman question. I mean, you had the, the, the Sadducee party, which were the priestly, high priestly party. Yeah. Uh, they, actually, they actually wanted to keep the status quo because it helped to kind of preserve their And they were working with authority. the, you know, they're working with That's right. making deals with being politicians. That's right. But the Pharisees... Uh, the Pharisees saw the Roman occupation as far more problematic, but yeah. then you had a more ex- a number of more extreme parties like the Zealots, yes. um, who who were, took a much more radical view. But even among the Zealots, there were a number of different there are a number of different views. Yeah. And and in the end, and it's interesting, uh, you know, I mean, Jesus um, uh, really predicts this mm. that that uh, that this is that unless if they don't basically turn and heed him that yeah. they are going to completely implode the yes. whole thing's going to implode and it did and it actually did and and one of the reasons that it implode was because the the nation of god's people god's covenant people the jewish people in the first century was so divided yeah over their different uh approaches to dealing with the roman question that even once they did rebel i mean that there were there were um, those that didn't want to rebel and, yep. and then there were those that did. So those that did want to rebel started a rebellion in the 60s from about 66. Uh, they occupied Jerusalem and there was the siege of Jerusalem. But even amongst the zealots, <laughs> there, were, there were three separate parties that were so divided they that couldn't talk Josephus, to each other. not only could they not talk to each other, but as Josephus uh, points out in the Jewish wars, that more Jews killed other Jews in around 70 AD, then right. were killed by the Romans. They right. s- were slaughtering each other. It was said that the 
bodies uh, were lying all over the streets of Jerusalem before the Romans bro- even broke in. Wow. Um, uh, so, so actually, the the, the divisions there yeah. uh, just completely imploded the so, nation in the end. Jesus predicted it. And, and bringing back to your point, we feel that politics, politics has never been as divisive as it is now. Well. Jesus yeah, it was, was living. Right. It, it was pretty divisive back then. Yeah. Like people were really were picking up swords. People yeah. really were, you know, leaving, yeah. you know, family members. Really were families were being divided over politics. So Jesus's message of God's kingdom, yeah, and His King is here, yeah, in a radical new way that you don't understand. Yeah, we really have to wrestle that and realize what that yeah. means to us today because. If we say that we are Jesus's, if we say that we have been saved by Jesus, if we say that we believe in the gospel and yeah. we are his, we are part of his kingdom, what does that mean yeah, to have Jesus right. as our king? Yeah, that's right. So so the big question in the first century was, was obviously the question of the Roman occupation, but it was framed against the Jewish expectation of the coming of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, of God's rule on earth. Okay, mm-hmm. now the um, the Jewish people interpreted those promises in a political in a political way. Okay, yes. this is going to be an imposed uh, organizational structure. Yep. It got you know God is going to impose His organizational structure on society. Now, now asterisk, dear listener, asterisk in the back of your mind. Keep that thought in your back of your mind because later on, whether it's in this episode or the next episode. I think I think we want to talk about how some people, some Christians, are still doing that today. Yeah, that's right. So th- there's actually a name for, for that: the desire for all society to be ruled by uh, God's law is actually known as theonomy, mm. um, and and it's quite a it's quite an extreme sort of theological view. But practically, it's I think what a lot of Christians are sort of edging towards without possibly realizing it. Great point, Matt. Okay, so getting back to Jesus. So Jesus appears on the scene. He says the kingdom is here. The Jewish people are thinking, fantastic. He's going to wipe out these Romans and sit on David's throne and it's going to be the king we've always wanted. And Jesus says... And I'm going to die. And that's right. He's, he's really going to he's really going to disappoint them. Yeah. Um, because they want a, a Messiah who is going to be a political military leader mm. who's going to come and impose the kingdom yeah. of God on his enemies. That's that's the way that they wanted it to happen. Mm. And that that was supposed to begin um, with uh, by getting the Romans out. You know, defeating the Romans, establishing um, political autonomy. And and then conquering the world basically, yeah. uh, imposing God's kingdom in, in, in a, on the world. In a um, in the Jewish mindset, in the Old Testament mindset, when the people who were, yeah. especially the Pharisees, I mean, you know, I, I've been on record again before, and I'll say it again. Yeah. If I was living in Jesus' time, I would have been like one of the Pharisee uh, hanger oners because yeah. these guys were passionate about God's word. Yeah. They were looking forward to the Messiah. And they totally missed it because they were in the weeds, you know, in, in yeah, the scripture. Right. And so when Jesus, you know, um, you know, turns up, he spends so much time talking to them about what the kingdom of God that's a- right. actually is. All of those parables that begin the kingdom of God is like is, yeah. is aimed at this problem. Now, I, sh- I should say um, that they weren't completely wrong about about God's Messiah coming and imposing the kingdom because yeah. actually. Um, Jesus will come and do that at some stage. Yes. You know, Jesus will come as judge yes. and uh, and he will uproot evil, yeah. all evil in the world, uh, anything that is not of the will of God, and, and he will 
establish yeah. uh, his rule. And we've talked about that in in the in the episodes. We've talked about the end things, you know, eschatology, yeah, right. the Book yeah. of Revelation. We've talked at length about that. So that's what's coming, but it's not now. And and I think and it wasn't. And the Pharisees were expecting uh, that from Jesus then, from the right. Messiah then. And because he wasn't fulfilling that, and again, it sounds really in our postmodern, um, uh, you know, way of thinking and the way that we've been taught to think these days. That type of thinking, that type of biblical thinking from the Old Testament, that Jewish way of thinking is very colonialism. You know, it's all that type of thing, like they're going to come and rule the entire world. Well, it it changes everything when you've got God in the person of Jesus, the most benevolent, wonderful leader ever, doing it all. Yeah, you know? oh, that's right. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's and that's what we're going to see uh, in in the future. So yes. um the the idea of a situation where, you know, where Christ rules and 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 the, a world at peace, that's the new heavens and the new earth, you yes. know, that's future. I think it's really important to take very seriously that what Jesus was ushering in mm. was not that future thing of an imposed kingdom uh it was something quite different. And, and for us as Christians, getting with the plan here is the all-important thing. Amen. So most of Jesus' teaching, actually, it is about, in fact, you could say all of Jesus' teaching is about the kingdom of God. Yeah, and I, and I want to, and, and there's a million references we can pull out here, but one verse that I pulled out in particular, thinking about Jesus, talking about the kingdom of God, and, and, and also thinking about, Matt, about how we talk about, you know, what makes us passionate and why we can have these conversations about politics and things we disagree with is because we, I think both of us have wrestled internally, externally, in every aspect of our life and are continuing to wrestle with the claims of Jesus on our life. For example, Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Mm. You know, um, and, and everything, basically, the DJ's paraphrase, everything else will be, Will be will be fine. Yeah, that's right. Like do that first, and and forget and everything else. Now everything else includes politics. Yeah, includes all the other discussions that we have. Yeah, you put Jesus Christ first. You live as He is your King. You put that number one in your life. Everything else will fall into place. That's that's a real key, and I think that's the big theme uh, for this uh, for this session. Actually, yeah. yeah, is seek first the kingdom of God as Jesus mm. predicted and defined it. Okay, yes. because. Jesus said, d- predicts that the kingdom of God in this age yeah. is going to be victorious. Yes. You know, God is going to, uh, and, and Jesus through his church is going to, there's going to be a victory there and it's yes. going to come to, the kingdom of God is going to come to fruition. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Exactly. And again, it, it, there is, I hate, I, I've been doing this a lot lately because I think we get really wrapped up in this idea of unconditional love and, you know, we can, you know, and I, it might be coming up against my background of what I grew up with in the, in the church, but there is a condition. There is there is conditions. You know, and I don't want to make it sound awful, but when Jesus says, you know, I'm the King, and you you know you live in my kingdom, he goes on to say, you know, and when you live righteously, and when you obey my commands, yeah. I'll look after you. Yeah, I'll provide right. everything you need. Yeah, that's you right. You will be totally looked after as as I'm your King. If you follow me like a king, if you live what to my commands, I'm going to look after you. Don't worry about anything else. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so the big the big theme throughout Jesus' teaching, and and this is because I mean he begins by announcing the kingdom of God is at hand. And as we've said, they thought, thought great. Oh, yep. that's great. Um, uh, he's going to lead us against the Romans. So yes. Jesus spends a lot of time saying the kingdom of heaven is like. Yes. 
or the kingdom of God is like. And the, he uses the, I mean, Matthew has him use the word heaven again because of Jewish scruples around yes, God, uh, around using the word God. Yep. But it's basically the kingdom of God. Yeah. So he's constantly defining what it's like. So it's not, in other words, saying it's not what you think. God's not going to do it the way that you think in this imposing way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be, for example, like yeast. It's going to be like a woman who sprinkles some yeast and it yeah. works its way all through the dough, okay? It's a little mustard seed it's, in the ground. That's right. It's a little mustard seed that's pushed into the soil yeah. uh, that's going to gradually grow by small increments into a tree. Now, there's something uh, that would have been an anticlimax for the listeners <laughs> because there's something about us that's impatient. We just yeah. want to make it happen now, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, we want it to happen through revolution. There's yeah. got to be a revolution. Yeah. And that that human kind of impatience, we're just going to do it our way, which means that, and you know, the Jew, the you know, many of the Jews, certainly the Zealots, wanted uh, a revolution. Yeah, they wanted to upturn the whole authority structure and kind of make it all happen there. And mm. then Jesus says, "No, the kingdom of God is." And they thought that was their. Ki- they thought that's what's going to happen mm. when the kingdom comes. Mm. It's going to be this kind of upturning of everything. I now, am. as I've said, in the future. There will be an upturning of the thing, but that's not yep. what Jesus was ushering in. And yet yeah. he was ushering in the kingdom. Mm. There was this sense of God's kingdom is going to spread in this age through, th- like yeast through the dough. So, mm. I mean, he's saying you've got to get with the plan, right? Mm. Uh, because if you don't get with this plan, you're going to be an obstacle. Yeah. Uh, now, and, and it's going to happen in this yeast through the dough. It's not going to happen by us imposing uh our faith on society, it's going to happen by us serving our world and serving each other. It's going to happen through not self-imposition and violence. It's going to happen through self-sacrifice. Yeah. Now, when Jesus talked, I mean, Jesus, of course, demonstrates that himself. And he says, you know, basically predicted that he was going to overcome the power of the devil, Mm. you know, the ultimate source of evil in this world, Mm. not by, uh, you know, Conquest yeah, or not war. by conquest or war, but he was actually going to give up his own life. Now, in mm. Matthew 16, when he said to his disciples, uh, the Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem, is going to be suffered, and, and Peter said, no, this, should, this must never happen, mm. right? Because, cause, I mean, we give the disciples you know, credit, think, oh, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Wasn't that self-sacrificial? Remember, yeah. they believed that Jesus was going to be a political king oh, and they're going to benefit, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not to take away credit from them completely for no. following Jesus. Uh, they did leave everything, but they did leave everything thinking at first, at least, that he was going to be a political king. So you yeah. see that reflected in in Peter's, uh, you know, uh, the way that he vociferates against yeah. Jesus. No, this will never be. Yeah. What does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Mm. He says to Peter, you are an obstacle. Wow. You are a hindrance to me because mm. you have in mind not the things of God, but the things of men. So he's saying... Peter, if you don't get with the plan, yeah. you are actually going to be a hindrance. This is actually how, why this issue is so important. Because if we don't get with the plan and seek first the kingdom of God as Jesus predicted it, seek first the kingdom mm. of God. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in, in, in other things, yes. but I'm talking if we don't seek first the kingdom of God, mm. we actually, it's not like we just become useless. No, we actually become dangerous. We become a hindrance. That is a great... Okay, I'm going to underline that. I think we need to turn that into a T-shirt. It might be our first Thrive Perspective T-shirts here. <laughs> if, we're not, if we're not part of the plan, we're a hindrance here. That's a great thing, especially now we want to bring it back here. We're going to be talking about politics. What does all this have got to do with politics? Let's flesh that out in just a moment. But let's have a quick break and uh, we'll be back with more as we get into politics here on Thrive Perspectives. 
Beer family, it's your old buddy DJ Payne here. And listen, before you skip ahead and race back into this edition of Thrive Perspectives and get back into the conversation about politics, listen, stop, stop, stop. I've got a special offer for you. That's right, I've got something special to offer you, our Thrive Perspective podcast listeners. Now, as you know, this whole ministry of Thrive, both the Thrive Deeper podcast and this podcast you're listening to, Thrive Perspectives, has grown out of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide ministry. This is a daily reading guide written by Matt Jacoby and enjoyed by thousands of people all over the world. A lot of you might be listening to the podcast and thinking, one day I should order one of those copies of Thrive. Well, listen, we've got something very special to offer you right now, a free copy of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. That's right, a very special free copy of the current edition of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. It goes from November 2020 all the way through to January 2021. And it's what Matthew and I are going to be going through next on the Thrive Deeper podcast. Now, we want to give you your very own free copy. It's available in both a physical copy, that's a paper edition that you can carry with your Bible and use daily, or you can get it as an electronic ebook edition and use it on your device, whether that's your iPad, your phone, your computer, whatever it is, you can use the ebook edition. It's really simple. There is one caveat though, if you're in Australia, you can get either the physical copy, the paper copy, or the electronic copy. If you're anywhere else outside of Australia, hate to do this to you, but with postage costs the way they are, we want to offer you just the ebook edition. But don't don't worry, it's still fantastic. You get all the great information there. So an ebook or a physical copy for everyone listening in Australia, outside of Australia, we've got an electronic version just for you. So this is a very special once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you to get a free copy. All you need to do is head over to thrivetoday.tv. At the bottom of the homepage, just click on subscribe to the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. Select the current issue in the cart there and then use the coupon code PERSPECTIVES. All right. When you're about to check out, and again, for Australian listeners, you can select the physical copy or the electronic copy. Outside of Australia, please just select the ebook edition. And when you go to check out, use the coupon code PERSPECTIVES and you'll get this special offer. Now, we've got a limited edition. This offer finishes on Friday, November the 20th. Friday, November the 20th. So get in now and get a hold of it. This is a special offer of a free copy of the November to January edition of Thrive covering the Gospel of Luke. You do not want to miss out. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get back into the discussion on politics here on Thrive Perspectives. Perspectives. It's episode 19. We're delving into the world of politics. Thank you so much for uh, bearing with us with the break there. We'd love to hear from you, especially with questions that are arising about this. And we know that politics is a massive issue for a lot of people. But uh, Matthew, we're up for uh, any and all questions, aren't we? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I'm teasing. Not, not I'm, teasing. I'm teasing again. No, no, please get in contact. We love the discussion. Now, Matt, we've just left off. We're sort of laying a groundwork on how a Christian, uh, you know, is supposed to look at politics and how we're supposed to be, dare I say it, involved in politics. And we're looking at it by starting with, of course, where everything starts with our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and yeah, he's talking about the right. kingdom. Uh, so we're, we're really laying a biblical framework, and, yeah. and I think this is the most important thing. And I think it's worth flagging the goal of this again. And the goal is... Uh, that whereas our society is fragmented and divided over politics, like yeah. deeply divided over politics, the Christian church needs to demonstrate something different. We need mm. to demonstrate a higher level of unity because we have something to be united over that is so much more important than politics. Amen. Like the answer for this world, and again I'll say, uh, politics isn't the answer because the big the problem with the world isn't fundamentally a political problem. Now, if someone's if you're listening to this and you're really politically minded, and welcome to the show if you're if you're new and you've heard oh DJ Macken and talk about politics, I'm going to tune in for the first time. Welcome, yeah. glad that you're here. <laughs> I want to say I want to I want to humbly and graciously say something to you. If you are if you hear what Matthew just said and said no no politics is always the answer, you know, or if you fundamentally disagree on that. I've got one little thing I'd love to throw throw you know you know throw at you is tell me about the politics from 1940 and the issues that were being debated then what about 1950 what about the 30s what about the hot button things that were being debated in the newspaper in the 70s were they issues that have had long lasting effects on your life or in anyone's life for some yeah maybe on, on this earth but the bigger picture here the thing that the thing that we as Christians are really passionate about is the number one thing that we should all be, you know, willing to to start the conversation from is that we are part of the kingdom of God. That's right. And look in in John chapter seventeen, Jesus prays for his disciples, and his main prayer for us yeah. is that we be united. Yeah. He, it's interesting. He doesn't pray, Lord, um, may they not be persecuted. No. He doesn't pray, Lord, may they not be harmed. I mean, he, he could have prayed those things, but he says, Lord, may they, in, in effect, may they not be divided. Yeah. And he, and he also, and again, to be a little bit pointed, he doesn't say, and I pray that they get really good political jobs or they make great policies and get involved in the in, in government. I mean, I'm not, yeah, that's having, right. I'm not having a go if anybody does that at all. We'll get into that yeah. a little bit and, later and our, on. And our unity, to really underscore this point, our unity is based in our understanding of our biblical worldview that uh, the world is fundamentally corrupted in a way that no human political system yeah. can solve. It's a Band-Aid at best. And we can, uh, we can argue over the best Band-Aid, but that's all we're doing when we talk politics. Yeah. Because if you really take seriously the biblical worldview about the fall of humanity, yep. then uh, we see that there is a problem with the world that only Jesus can solve. And, 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 and that's what we unite under. Amen, amen. We are united and stand on that. And the other truth and the reality that we must stand on together, and this really shows some, you know, uh, uh, shines a light on politics, is we must really believe that this is a spiritual battle yep. that we are living through. Oh, that's right. And I'm not talking about politics as a spiritual battle and everything else isn't. I'm talking about, no, no, the world is under under a spiritual battle yeah. between between the powers of Jesus Christ and his kingdom yeah. and everything else. That's right. We are part yeah. of that. 
And we sometimes pretend that the battle is amongst these politicians or yeah, political right. parties or policies or worldviews like that. No, it's not. That's no, right. it's not. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but yeah. against the principalities and powers, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, you bring up Paul. You bring up the Apostle Paul. Uh, let me just let oh, yep. me, uh, interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people will agree with that uh, and say, yes, the problem is fundamentally uh, that we see the world is fundamentally corrupt, yeah. but then still believe that there can be a political solution yeah. for that. What we've tried to say is that Jesus' solution to that isn't a mere political solution. No. Jesus' solution to that is a is a spiritual solution. He talks about the kingdom of God yeah. and he says that, uh, in order to solve this problem, we're not going to do it by imposing uh, some structure on society. Yeah. Uh, we are we we're going to solve this problem uh, through self sacrifice, through serving our society, through uh, the preaching of the gospel, and through the changing of lives. I'll, I'll go one step further, and I, I saw this uh, recently, and it, man, it broke my heart in in a good way. Like yeah. it broke, it convicted me. Yeah. Someone said, and "I'm going to I'm going to really." Butcher the quote. He said, the history of the Christians, the history of the Christian church is the history of the losers. That that yeah. Jesus' yeah. kingdom is always, like like Jesus himself, is the guy that loses. And by losing, we actually win. Yeah, that's right. There's a great uh, great uh, message, and I, I, I rarely do this, but I think this is... This was so well done by Andy Stanley, a pastor in America, mm. who has a message called Not In It To Win It. Mm. Uh, and I think he speaks so eloquently uh, to this issue. And and even the title is telling because mm. he's saying we're not in this to win this because we're, we're not playing that game. We're not playing the same game no. No. as the world, the kind of power, the political power struggles. Mm. We're mm. actually... We, um, we, we need to do our bit in terms of being responsible citizens. And, and again, we're not at no point don't hear us saying in this episode yep. that we should withdraw from engagement in yep. political issues. We might even get, get to that a little yep. bit later on. Yes, we absolutely, we need to engage and we need to engage responsibly. I think it's great to have Christians involved in politics and, yep. uh, be, uh, uh, and, and I, I have good friends who have been uh, involved in, Same. In, in politics and I think yep. that's important. Okay. What we're saying here is that a political answer isn't the ultimate answer because the problem is not primarily political, it's spiritual. Yeah. Okay, that's, yeah. the, that's the big picture. And so our hope isn't in a political system. Uh, our hope is in Jesus and, uh, and Jesus' kingdom agenda, and that is what we need to be passionate about. People get so passionate about politics and are willing to divide from other Christians over political issues when actually our ability to really be part of the solution relies on us being united under Amen. something higher. So to sacrifice our unity for the sake of arguments over politics is completely counterproductive. And I would suggest it really is what Jesus was talking about when he said to Peter in Matthew 16, uh, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle. You're a yeah. hindrance to me. And, we, and, and when, that's yeah. when we're not with the plan, when we're not with Jesus kingdom plan, yeah. Uh, then we are. Um, we're not just neutral. We're, we're actually we're an obstacle. Okay, so let's. You mentioned the Apostle Paul, yep. and uh, you know, after Jesus, 
as far as setting, you know, the the course of the Christian church, yep. you know, we have our, uh, you know, we have the wonderful Apostle Paul, yep. who's who, who's given us so much in the early church and 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 what we base our life on. Now he's got a few passages um, that that over the years that Christians have debated back and forth about, yep. you know, about when it comes to how we are to be involved in politics and government. Yep. Uh, the first one, first one that I wanted to jump to, and I know the number one that one that everyone's thinking about is Romans thirteen. We'll get there, don't worry. First Timothy two, though, is one I wanted to go to first. That he says again, he's writing to he's writing to Timothy, his his son mm. in the faith, and he says, "I urge you first of all to pray for all people, ask God to help them intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings." so rulers, and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God, one mediator, and one who can reconcile God to humanity, the man Jesus Christ. So he 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 builds uh, he, he closes that little saying saying this is the message God gave to the world just as at the right time. So again, even Paul's Thinking about how we mm. pray for and how to live yep. in this world is all balanced on the fact that our message is Jesus and we are to pray for good rulers so that we can give this message out, you know, yeah, clearly. That's right. Yeah, you know? It's, it's for the sake of the gospel. It's, it's not, yes. he's less interested in the fact that we're comfortable and uh, he's actually yep. more interested yep. in in us being able to, uh, to share the gospel. And I mean, it's interesting there that. He, he's not see. He's not saying that that the political realm is irrelevant. No. He's saying no. Pray that there is a good political yeah. uh, environment. But again, it's not for the sake of our rights. It's so that we can actually help other people. You yeah. know, it's um, so that we can lift up other people. Because often discussions around politics yeah. uh, oriented around what my rights are and what, what I want mm. when actually he's saying, no, we're praying for this kind of situation so that we can, uh, you know, for the good of the gospel. Yeah. And yeah. yet, as we see in, in Christian history, even the worst kind of situations of persecution against the gospel have not hindered the gospel. No. Either. Well, and it did, and wasn't hindering in Paul's time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they were under some severe persecution. Yeah, and it would get way worse. So we see that in, in Timothy there that Paul is praying. You know, pray uh, passionately. I would say, uh, pray uh, that God would intercede for our rulers. Pray that we, we, you know, we actually give thanks to our rulers. Like we pray generously for our rulers and everyone in authority. The goal, we live peaceful, quiet lives. Now, not quiet as in like we're, we're doormats, yeah. but quiet when it comes to in the face of government because we can live with godliness and dignity as we share Jesus Christ to our, yeah. to, to our world. So there's, there's a bit of good advice if you yeah. feel really riled up by a political uh, leader. Yeah. Um, stop complaining and start praying. Excellent, excellent. And, and I think because I think then you will recognise that, that this person... Uh, whatever your problems with them are, is actually someone uh, is actually a human being yeah. uh, that uh, that is loved by God, mm-hmm. and that God uh, wants us to actually pray for personally. Mm-hmm. And you know, leadership is a complex task. This is another thing, I guess, about politics. Politics is immensely complex. Immensely complex and immensely. I'll use this word and hear it the right mm-hmm. way. 
immensely dirty and messy. Oh, yeah. It's very messy. I can't, I can't think of anything more dirtier or messy to get involved in than yeah. the world of politics. And it's because the whole... It's because humanity is fundamentally corrupt. So trying yes. to trying to organise something that is fundamentally corrupt is it's it's a in some ways it's a it's a losing sort of battle, yeah. you yeah. know. Um, and so I think treating politics like it's oh, but it's just simple. If they should just hmm. no one who is politically informed thinks that politics is that simple. Yeah. It's oh, look, it's it's, I, yeah. it's it's a fundamentally complex uh, subject, and and so I think we need to pray for our leaders. Yeah. Um, stop complaining. Start praying. Uh, you know, be politically informed. Uh, this is, I think, Paul's advice. There is a really great way to get us relating to our political leaders in a productive way. Yeah, and yeah, and, that, and that's why I start with the Timothy one because it's a really simple. It's a real, very basic view of it, but in a, in, a, in a profound sort of way. Let's let's. Paul's going to expand a little bit more in in the book of Romans, chapter thirteen. He says, "Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has initiated, and they will be punished." For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Well, do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid. For they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. So pay your taxes too, for these same reasons. For your government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those that collect them and give respect and honour to those who are in authority. That's right. As Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Um, yeah. That, so in a sense, he is, uh, he is saying that... Um, a, an imperfect order is better than no order. Would you yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, an imperfect he, order is better than no. I think I think that's part of what he's saying. Yeah. Um, but there's there, there's something else about the biblical worldview here, and this is something that we discussed in Thrive Deeper, if I may refer over to that podcast when we talked about Book of Revelation, and we saw how God uses even the worst aspects, uh, even the most rebellious aspects. Of creation, namely demonic entities, mm-hmm. are not outside of God's sovereignty, are they? Yeah. And so, you know, when it says here that God has put these governments uh, now, I mean, he's again, he's talking about governments that he could well have been very critical of, very yeah. corrupt. He's, t- he's actually talking about very corrupt governments. Yeah. And some of the readers could have thought, "Are you kidding? Mm. You, you mean God has put the Roman Caesar, you know, with yeah. all of his corruption and?" Um, uh, well, God. Is, well, He is. Paul is saying. Well, yes, they are. They are fulfilling a role that is uh, that is something that um, that God has allowed, mm. um, and so we need to respect that. Mm. Um, He's also bringing to mind when I read that passage, and again, this is I think a theme of the Book of Romans, is that God is in control. Yeah. Like we have a tendency as humans to think, you know. Oh, he, God somehow missed this bit. 
Yep. Like this, this happened and it wasn't part of God's plan. Yep. But Paul's coming back here saying the authorities that we have is part of God's plan, as corrupt as they might be, yep. as, you know, as, as someone who we might even disagree with it, they're not part of God's kingdom in that sense. They're not fighting for that, but they're part of, you know, God is in control. And that's a very, um, you know, Paul being, uh, you know, so learned and so educated in the Old Testament, mm. you know, whether it's in the Psalms or the book of Daniel, we see over and over again, God is in control. The whole right. world, all authorities, all kings come under his yeah, command, whether right. they want to or not. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's worth pointing out there that he's not advocating unconditional submission yeah. um, because there are plenty of uh, situations, for example, there were in the Roman Empire where emperors demanded that Christians worship the emperor, worship the Roman gods, because Christians were often blamed for the problems in Roman society, yeah. because it was felt that the gods were angry because there are these this group of people that aren't worshiping the Roman gods and offering sacrifices to the Roman yes. gods, yes. and so they were commanded to make sacrifices to the Roman gods, and the Christians refused to. Yeah. Because they were commanded to do something that was fundamentally against, uh, in a very clear way, mm. um, that was against uh, the sec- you know, the, the first and second commandment. Yeah. So, um, so it wasn't unconditional obedience. No. No. And yet, it, it, and yet yeah. what what you know what Paul wants to show there is that Christians make good productive citizens. Let's show the world that we can be good productive citizens. That we are. We are here to be a blessing yeah. to our society. And it's almost, I, I, I love that passage when I think about my local politics, like literally the mm. councillors who are here yeah. advertising, you know, as you drive down the street here, you know, where I live, you know, the politicians, there's a local council uh, uh, vote coming up. So we've got the big signs of these heads, yeah. vote one, you know, this person, vote one, this person. And I, I look at those people and I'm reminded when I get the opportunities and praise God, I've been given some opportunities locally to meet some of these people and Mm. talk to them. I'm able to show them that I care as a Christian. I'm able to show them that the, that the Christians, we might have fundamental disagreements about why the way they're going to govern if they get in in control, but me as a Christian, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to care for them. I'm going to love them in the way that Jesus would want me to do. Yeah, that's right. Another interesting thing about Paul um, and, and this is something that critics love to point out about the New Testament, is and, and this I think really is indicative of the relationship to political issues that lies within the New Testament. Um, they are criticised for not speaking out against slavery. Now, slavery was a big... Roman society was a slave society. Yeah. Um, a, Greek thinkers like, for example, Aristotle... Um, advocated the view that slavery is a necessary part of human society, wow. that it's it's inevitable that some people, it's just part of the way that things are. Mm. And we and Aristotle felt we need to accept the fact that some people are born overlords and some people are born to serve in, in slavery. That's yeah. just the way that it is, okay? Um, so there was no imperative to change that, okay? Mm. And, um, uh, and so... Uh, the you, you, you know, the New Testament is sometimes criticised for not taking an overt. So why didn't they stand up against slavery? You know, and and I think this is a really important test case actually because um, uh, you know we need to think very carefully about standing up against things because if there was one thing that uh, that the New Testament writers could have wanted to have stood up against, well, slavery was rife in that society. Yeah. 
Now, interesting, the approach actually was much more powerful. Mm. And it's not, it actually doesn't advocate s- slavery. And, and what you see in the New Testament is teaching that is going to be the seed of the dissolution of slavery. Mm. So, um, so, for example, uh, and, you know, Paul says in, uh, sorry, I mean, Peter says, in, in First uh, Peter two, yeah, First Peter two, great. You know, he he talks, uh, and and interestingly, in the NIV, the heading uh, from two verse eleven is living godly lives in a pagan society. Yeah. You know, th- this is the. It was a complex thing. Yeah. You know, okay, so now we're Christians. We fundamentally disagree with some of the principles of society, and two, mm. you know, two of the the main uh, principles. What well, the main uh, aspect of uh, that was uh, the Christian worldview was the fundamental idea that we are all one in Christ, mm. that there is no slave, no free, uh, male, mm. female. We are all equal. Yeah. Uh, there is no you know different classes. We're all one in Christ, and the mm. and the sharing of the Lord's Supper was a regular reminder of that. You all sit at the same table and you share communion. There's something really subversive yeah. about that the Lord's Supper, you know. And, and again, everyone at the table, you had a slave and yeah. the slave owner sitting together. At the same table. Drinking from the same cup, eating the same bread, having the yeah. same meal. And in ancient society, that yeah. meant something. Yeah. Who you who you uh, ate with yeah. declared was a declaration of equality. So yeah. women would often not sit at the same table as men, certainly certainly not slaves <laughs> yeah. would be and yet Jesus institutes this mm. lord's supper where you have all of these people sitting together and it had never ever happened before now yeah. but but here here is the problem so here they have these they you've become a christian you yeah. accept that principle we are all one in christ there's no slave you know we're all one in christ we're all equal okay so um uh does a slave do we start a slave revolt a slave revolt now yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we? Uh, is that how we're going to advance yeah. the kingdom of God? Do we? You know, do, do do wives of of husbands who rule their wives like everyone else, all other Romans ruled their wives? Mm. You know, do we start a, a, a revolt? Because we have to be very clear. Christianity spread. I mean, it spread amongst all levels of community, yeah. but it spread the fastest in the early church. Yeah. Outside of you know, outside of the Jewish, you know, the Jewish believers, when it started getting out into the into the other population, women. Yeah. Wives were were coming yeah. much faster into the kingdom, but also the slaves. Yeah, that's the right. message was spreading amongst the slaves, yeah. and they were getting saved. And so, what do we do? And imagine then, eventually, you're the, you're you're a man. You're a, you you're a successful person in in Rome. You've got a wife who's become a Christian. You've got a household full of slaves that has been there yeah. before you were even born. You've been born into this. And they're Christians, and eventually you become a Christian. What do you do? Exactly. What do you do? And and actually, a lot of slave owners became Christians through the t- through the witness yeah. of their slaves, exactly. who didn't revolt, yeah. but actually stayed there. And 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 uh, and this is what Peter is addressing. And and wives who uh, who demonstrated th- their their faith because it wasn't what. What Peter is saying here is that you need to sacrifice everything for the gospel. Yeah. Now I know this is radical. This is so countercultural. Yeah. Oh no, I've got to fight for my rights. I've yeah. got to rise up. I've got to revolt. You know. Yeah. No, Peter is saying no, no. Jesus came from heaven, gave up his rights to come mm. to earth and die on a cross. He sacrificed himself. We are going to win through self-sacrifice. So, so, and this is where the advice that Peter gives in two Peter 
in 1 Peter 2 yeah. is misunderstood because it looks like he's advocating uh, he, the, the status quo, whereas actually he's being deeply subversive. So uh, let, me, let me just quickly read a few verses yeah. here from 1 Peter 2, starting at uh, verse 13. Uh, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who are doing who are going to do sorry, who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Verse 15. It is God's will that you live sorry, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people to make who make foolish accusations against you. That's the key. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love your family believers. Fear God and respect the king. That's right. Yeah. So he's saying you're set free not just to live how you are set free to be bond slaves of the purpose of God. And the yeah. purpose of God involves you putting your rights aside for the sake of the gospel. And so what he, what he says here, he addresses slaves mm. and uh, the, the slaves and wives mm. and are two groups of oppressed peoples, mm. interestingly. And he's basically saying, don't revolt, be a witness mm. inside that. Now, oh, this is tough, isn't it? It goes, against, it goes against how we believe that we should be operating today. And yet it was absolutely transformative. Mm. It's absolutely, this advice mm. was abs- absolutely transformed society because yeah. uh, they were a witness. So he's not he's not advocating the 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 corrupt form of these institutions. He's not even advo- uh, advocating uh, slavery in any sense, mm. but he's sowing the seeds of the dissolution of mm. this institution. And this is interesting that actually there is a whole New Testament book. It's a very short book, uh, a New Testament letter mm. that is all about the issue of slavery. And it's the letter to Philemon mm. about this slave Onesimus. And he, and it's um, occasioned by a runaway slave who goes from uh, runs away from a Christian man, um, a Philemon, who's a slave master, who's a slave master, and he yeah. r- and he runs into Paul, right, and and he becomes a Christian, comes to faith uh, under Paul, and Paul s- sends him back, yeah. um, asking actually Philemon if he can let him come back to to Paul, you know, because he Paul says he's a real support to me, yeah. and he says something really, really. Um, Radical, he says. You need to treat this man as a brother. Mm. He's not. He's not. Not. He's not your slave. He is your brother, mm. and that is so deeply subversive that slavery was abolished. Actually, and and it was the f- the first time it was abolished. Not was not in the early eighteen hundreds. Like no. a lot of people think, it was actually abolished in the early medieval period. Yeah, um, and it was the result of actually the Lord's Supper. Yeah, the fact that. Uh, it was this deeply subversive idea so that that put everyone on the same footing. So if you can imagine a situation where you had the Christian church and you had slave owners treating their slaves as brothers. Now, if they, if, if they would have just dissolved slavery in an institution, where are all the slaves going to go? Mm. What you've then got is a whole strata of society that is just going to be condemned to poverty. Yeah. Instead, what they do is they change it from the inside out so that slaves become part of the family mm. and that and slave masters uh, treat their slaves like brothers, mm. uh, uh, accord them all of the rights of Christian brothers, um, and, and they have this role within 
the within a family, basically. Yeah. And, and so that, what you've done then, and, and okay, even that's not perfect, but remember no. all of this is still provisional until the return of Christ when the whole system gets I, exactly. uh, renewed. So the challenge for us as we finish off this episode, and it feels like we've just scratched yeah. the surface, I'm looking forward to in a fortnight getting into the second part of this. And please, if you've got questions about any of these things, please let us know when it comes to politics. We'd love to, we'd love to dive in there with you. I think we've set a really good foundation there. Of, of the biblical view of, of the kingdom of God, where we should be uh, our alliances first lie and how we then view politics, that we're not oppositional yeah. about it. And the challenge of how Paul in the early church dealt with slavery, mm. the, the challenge of how uh, the apostle Peter, how Paul wrote to uh, Philemon, that whole thing. The challenge for us today, I think, as we go away from this episode mm. is, what are the things in 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 the world now, yep. in our society now, what are the governmental political things now that we might not agree with, but instead of marching down the street, and I don't want to have a go of anybody marching down the street, but how could we do that kung fu move, that subversive <laughs> move of Paul and the early church and say, how do we work in this system but bring Christ and his kingdom into this system? Yep. Yeah, that's right. Because and it's the, a challenge. Yeah. That's the harder thing to do. Yeah, that's that's right. So, so in a sense, what the situation, the, the slavery situation, um, demonstrates in the way that the New Testament addresses slavery is this inside-out change. Yeah. That we're going to change people, and if people change, see, this is no political system. No. It, let me put it this way: every political system is going to fail because uh, of the inherent corruptness of humanity. Amen. Uh, it's not going to work because people aren't working right. Mm. So what the gospel aims at is transforming people. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and and so um, so that's the, the point of focus. And what what the New Testament advocates is this approach to uh, to situations where we put our rights aside and we act in a way that is going to further the gospel, which transforms the lives of people. Mm. And as people are transformed, uh, then there will be a transformation of society. And we see that in the cessation of, of slavery, that eventually uh, slavery um, is abolished in the early, early medieval period. And then again, when it's picked up again, it's again abolished yeah. based on biblical uh, principles. Totally. Uh, we've got to remember that. And um, and so there's something very deeply subversive here, but in a, in a really um, spiritual compelling spiritual sense and if we stick to the plan we will be a force to be reckoned with in terms of changing people's lives now what we see in the book of revelation is that actually the political systems aren't going to get better like let's just be clear on that like the the book of revelation clearly predicts that actually uh the political situations are going to get worse and and we're not going to get out it's not going to be what we want as christians and yet in the midst of that the christian church is going to be victorious yeah um so here's here's the main takeaway stick with the plan stick with the plan what is the most important thing right now in the way that I relate to this person? Ask yourself before you share that article or before you send that, uh, that put that thing on your Facebook. Ask, am I, uh, am I furthering the cause of the gospel? Am I alienating people from me? Mm. Uh, am I? Is this going to be constructive? Is this sowing into unity? Yeah. Um, because as Christians, we have a higher calling. Mm. Uh, I'm not again. 
I'm not saying don't be. I'm not saying don't be involved in politics. Again, in the next episode, we're going to talk about yeah. how to talk about politics. But right now, I think the important thing is that we ask ourselves: Am I with the main plan? Am I getting so drawn away into political things? Am I becoming so passionate about political things that I have lost the plot? Now, I would suggest that that may well have happened because I see it happening all the time. Christians becoming so passionate about political issues. Um, well, how about a bit of that passion for the gospel? How about you show that same passion for, you know, living self-sacrificially and loving people and sharing the gospel? Amen. That's what I mean by getting with the plan. Thanks for listening to Thrive Perspectives. We want to hear from you, so send us your big questions and ideas. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, download other shows, see all of our resources and much, much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visiting the website, ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives really helps us reach more people. So head to ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives. We hope that these shows will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective and thrive. was another DJP.FM production.